HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. It's time. Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit michters.com to find out how their taste is everything, cost be damned, attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from Bushwick, Brooklyn! How you doing? Oh, I'm on the super reverb. The lady who's eating lunch outside is like, what, what the, the heck? What the heck? What? Check, the what? please. What? Check. Can, can I move? Can I move? She actually just got her check. It's fine. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, welcome to the show. Call in all your questions. 2 7 That's 718-497-2128. Here for the next 45 minutes or so, right, Jack? Yeah. Uh, which, speaking of, we have uh, Jack Inslee, our uh, intrepid engineer over there in the booth. Yes. One of, one of the listeners referred to him as J-Mall, which is his new Star Wars name. J- <laughs> oh, God. J-Mall. J-Mall. You need to have like one of those double-sided, like, uh, you need to get you some, like, face paint. You could be, like, like Kiss, almost. So that's not. A, do you like that kind of music? Do you listen to, like, Kiss? Kiss, no. You you don't like to not rock and roll all night. I, I like rock. I'm, Do you I'm, like to party every day? No, no, not every day. No, that's why. That's that, why that you couldn't be, hang with yeah, him because I couldn't they'd party every single day, not just not just some days. I couldn't get into the. the- I could never take them seriously with the makeup and the theatrics and all that. Yeah, that, well, yeah. you know, I hear that they're, with the exception of Gene Simmons, I hear that they're nice fellas. Yeah, Gene know. Simmons is a horrible dude. Yeah, that's what I hear. So I hear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, we got Stas, the Hammer Lopez. How you doing? Good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, any, anything special happening? You're giving a talk at Yale on Thursday. I am. That's true. Is it open to the public? I don't know. Hmm. We can look it up. I'm supposed to have uh, figured out what I'm going to serve people, and I haven't figured it out yet. But if you're in the, well, we don't know. If you're in, well, I know where it is. The the like the event that I'm going to is at a place in New Haven called. Oh, bar. bar. Right. It's called yeah. Bar. That's probably a bit Bar has been there for over 25 years. And the reason I know this is because that's where I wooed my wife, Jen. That's where, like, on. They used to have something called Alternative. Did I already talk about this on the show? They used to have something called Alternative Wednesdays, right? So, Alternative Wednesdays was when they. Because back then it was, like, pre, you know, pre when people, like, listened to stuff. So it was, like, industrial rave stuff. You familiar with the band LA Style? Mm mm. 
Jack, you familiar with the old kind of uh, industrial housey? He's on the phone. It's a, th- their big song was James Brown is Dead. Of course, he was not dead at that time, but yet that was the song we listened to. So that's how I, that's how I was able to uh, land my wife, which is, uh, which is nice. So anyway, I'll be there again on Thursday. And we also have in the studio a new special guest, uh, our new Booker and Dax Searsall customer service representative. Social media, too. Big, big social media. Social, so unlike Nastasia and myself, anti-social media. Which, by the way, like I know I have a million like Twitter things. I've been my head has been so buried because I'm working on this MoFad exhibit that's opening up in a couple of weeks, and on my next uh, Booker and Dax project that I've been buried. I haven't been getting. I get like once a week I look at my Twitter. So if I haven't answered you, I will answer you soon. But uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Rebecca. Give us your whole life in twenty seconds or less. My whole life. Twenty seconds or less. Whole life into the mic, oh, please. Man. What do you got? Um, hello, you got? everybody. My whole life. Yeah. I'm 22. Mm. I like the color orange and ice cream. Wow. (laughs) Orange is... Nice. That was under 20 seconds. That she was, did it. Yeah, she, I gave her less than one second for every year of her life. I'm yeah. glad that you like uh, ice cream. Where are you from? Um, outside of Philly. Outside of Philly. Oh, okay. So do, do you like... Uh, okay, so <clears throat> and you're 22, yeah. so but by the time that you probably remember most things, Briars had already changed their recipe to include all sorts of stabilizers. Do you remember back when Briars did not have stabilizers? I don't. Prize is not my favorite, so I don't know. Well, but you're from Philly. It has to. You have to like. Technically, not from Philly. No. But where? Yeah. Well, where are you? We, originally, originally Long Island, but uh, I've also lived ooh, in Long two Island. other states. So, do you believe that it's? Uh, do you believe it's Strong Island or the Wrong Island? So I can figure out where you're from. Because hmm. you, you, either you hate Long Island, in which case it's the Wrong Island, or you love Long Island, in which case it's Strong Island. I'm gonna go in the middle. You're gonna go in the middle? Yeah, I was too little to. Too little to. I'm going with Wrong. Going, oh. <laughs> Yeah, Stas likes there. it. Stas believes no, in the strong. You like that? You like going over there to the beach and all that stuff? Uh-uh. What? I don't. Really? Yeah, I don't. What do you, man? I have to sometimes. Oh, I'm a poor Stas. Has to go to the beach. beach. No, no, it's never for fun. It has not been for fun once. Wow, wow. Hey, yeah. two things. So I have a caller that uh, that I want to get to, but before we do that, I have to send a big, big, big shout out to John Nihol. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And, of course, our old friend Joel Esposito both listened to the drop and made donations and specified that it came from cooking issues. I so, like that. so they are the coolest people of the day. Thank you. Please, please specify so that Jack knows, you know, kind of what's going on. Also, after we spoke to the, talk to the caller, Michters, huh? We got Michters on board? We got Michters, yeah. They've been, they've been around. This oh. is their first Cooking Issues oh. episode. Oh, all right. So, you know, I like their product, but they apparently don't like ours well enough. All right, whatever. Well, now they do. All know? right. Here they are. All right. All right. They're good get people. molecular whatever as our sponsor. But. <laughs> okay, listen. Hey, enough, enough of that stuff. Caller, you're on the air. <laughs> hey, Dave. How's it going? Doing all right. This is Chris from the Green Zone in D.C. How you doing? How's, uh, how's, how's, yeah. how's, how's everything going? How is that recipe with the mint working out? Was it all, was everything well, all right? Well, <laughs> it's not summer anymore, and uh, the entire summer run, I just blended it to water because I couldn't find a solution. Yeah, yeah mint's but, tough. But mint question. oxidizes so quickly. Um, since most of what I do involves infusions, and of course I'm doing AC infusions, um, one of the things I'm trying to infuse is some sticky resins like mastic tears or frankincense tears. And when I tried one of them in the ISI, it gunks up the entire ISI. Like, you know, I did two, it was a um, half liter, two uh, nitrous cartridges, and the entire inside of the ISI was, like, coated in this sticky residue. And then it, it messed up my strainer, it messed up a bar spoon, and just everything was coated in this, like, really impermeable stuff. 
Um, and then I tried doing another one, just a standard infusion in a jar. And that was a bit better. But again, like everything it touches just gets this coating on it. Um, so I was wondering if you had, first of all, if you knew what solvent for that would be, because I've tried everything from pure alcohol to vinegar, nothing worked. Um, and also a good way to infuse it that doesn't just gunk up all my equipment. You know, it, this is crazy. I have another question in from George, who we met on uh, Mastika. Like it must be like in the in the in the mental air, uh, and that stuff, <laughs> that stuff is some sticky, some super sticky. Once you start using, it. I mean, uh, I used to make uh, oil, and even just a couple of tears uh, would stick to the bottom of the pan forever, and took a long time to fully dissolve into the oil. And there's always like some sort of residue left. It's just a nightmare. And I was thinking about it for George's problem too. He was he was trying to make uh, he wants to make the the water the mastica water, which I don't know if if, you, if if anyone's been back to Greece recently. They now have uh, this like basically seltzer water with uh, mastica flavor in it, which actually I think is cool. I like it a lot. I think it's really refreshing. Nastasia, you didn't like it so no. much. I pounded it like, but I love that resin flavor anyway. Mastica, yeah, the flavor's great. Yeah, I love it anyway. Um, and so, you know, his problem was how to how to dissolve it, but not in an EC, because you can't get to an EC, and neither can you throw it away. Like my solution for him was going to be like, let's throw it away, you know, like <clears throat> like put it put it. He, he wanted to do a distillation, right? So what I, what I was going to tell him, and I'll maybe I'll read his question later if I have time. But what I was going to tell him to do was um, he, he was looking to either do uh, an infusion into alcohol and then uh, or oil and then try to suspend it, right? In which case it's going to go cloudy. It's not going to be like the oh we lost. But I'll, I'll keep talking. It's it's going to be cloudy. It's not going to be uh, you know clear. So for for that application, if you were going to use an extract, it's going to go Sorry, cloudy. Can you can you can you go back a bit? Because I just got cut off. Oh yeah, sure. So I was say for George, he had a slightly different problem. He was looking to make a uh, – he, he wants to make the, the water, right? And so he, yeah. he, he had a couple of different things. One, he was looking at distillation, not at infusion, uh, and also just at using like mastica extracts. Now, his problem with the mastica extract is is that it was clouding up, right? Uh, right. I mean, sorry, not cloud, flo- floating to the top uh, and not, not staying in. So – one thing you can do, obviously, without us to answer both of your questions at the same time, one thing you can do is is just uh, keep shaking it, and over time you'll get some transfer, and then skim the stuff off the top, but it's going to be fairly light, you know, flavor wise. Right. Another thing right. you can do for that is you can uh, stabilize that with gum arabic into uh, into a syrup. You can stabilize this stuff with gum arabic. Once you stabilize it with the gum arabic, you then should be able to make a soda with it. Uh, it will separate over time, but you'll be able to shake it back in, right? So that. <laughs> you'll be able to do so you try that um, because that's how they do it now unless you use uh, a, an oil stabilizer that's weighted you're not going to be able to get it to stay in 100% in a carbonated beverage without having it separate over time but again you can just shake it back in so gum, and the reason you use gum arabic is that gum arabic has very low viscosity uh, and dilutes well without break without having uh, emulsions uh, break so it's it, it is used for soda syrups to stabilize things into soda syrups but it's not going to help with stability over time because it's not going to change the weight of the particles so you'll still get some separation anyway uh but uh then he was saying george was saying i want to distill the stuff but then it sticks to everything in the pot so i was going to say to just do a test do an old style like real uh cheap distillation get a pot 
put a strainer in the pot, line that strainer with something you can throw away, like linen cloth or like a, a napkin or, or you know some sort of paper filter, something that's not going to be something you don't mind losing. Stick the uh, the uh, mastica in that, the kiosk mastica in that, and then put the lid on top. Put water in the bottom, boil it, just boil it, boil the you know crap out of it, and then just keep putting ice cubes on the top of the lid so that you form a reflux system where it keeps on uh, where it keeps on refluxing. And I think it'll work, but I have to have someone try it to make sure that it, it, it would work. Now, on your thing with the EC, maybe we could do a similar kind of a situation. I don't think the melted crap will go through a tea satchel. So if you were to buy uh, like and maybe double bag some tea satchels, not the you know the tea satchel stars that are like plasticky with kind of big holes. I wouldn't use that. I'd use kind of the more papery ones with the small holes. Stick the stuff in and do the ISI. You should be able to extract it. And the melted goop, I don't think, is going to make it through the, uh, the the tea bags. But I could be wrong. So I, I mean, I could be wrong. So I would test it uh, and see whether or not uh, that uh, works out for you. And by the way, George, that that you know that same technique using an ISI might be good for flavor as well. So I knocked out two masticas with one stone. It's good. So, Rebecca, what are your favorite kind of ice creams? We were talking about Briars. Briars, obviously, Philadelphia-style, famously, no no eggs, right? Mm-hmm. So do you like a Philadelphia-style ice cream? You, just, you don't even consider yourself Philadelphia. I shouldn't even talk to you about Philadelphia yeah. ice cream. So what kind of ice cream do you like? Are you one of these hyper-dense, like, super-rich, like, French-style, like, gelato-style? Well, I love style? anything chocolate. No. I like hard ice cream. Like hard ice cream? The other day, I tried, hmm, what was it called? Famous, famous ice cream in Brooklyn. The last, it's like something hills. Hills? Hills? I don't know. But now, now you have, when you say hills, amazing... I say hills alive in the sound of music. Did you go no. to Oddfellows? No. You should go to Oddfellows. I will try now. Sam Mason's. Sam Mason's right. There was a beautiful salted caramel with salted caramel in in it. I would hope like that the salted caramel it. contained salted caramel. Well, otherwise. no, sometimes it's just the flavor, you know? Yeah. yeah. This was a, a good one. All right. So I've got a caller, but I have I have a pretty hilarious comment I've got to share before that. Alrighty, got a comment here in the chat room. Right, man, cooking issues is just a sideshow compared to this chat. Wow, Dave might be out of work soon. Wow, well I like being a sideshow. That's I've been <laughs> I've been called a sideshow like my whole life, right, Stas? <laughs> yeah. So usually, though, I'm not a sideshow. Like I'm a sideshow freak. Is more like what people call me, a sideshow freak, huh? So they're having a lively chatter. By the way, it's a very lively chat you here. Can log- yeah, we're talking about croissants, you know, um, all kinds of stuff. Stas doesn't like croissants. That's why I never can talk about them. I think they're delicious. What they're do they so say? good. What are they saying about the croissant? Well, they ask. Uh, croissant. You know, they're they're asking like, hey, what's everybody eating? So I said, I'm having a croissant. Yeah. And they started talking about croissants. You know what's an absurd word? Croissandwich. Makes no sense. Yeah, that's a ridiculous word. So. And what about Peter? those donuts that are also... Cronuts? I happen yeah. to know the fellow that makes the, the yeah. cronuts. What are, you, what are your feelings on them? Um, I would rather have one or the other. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you. Mm. Wow. Hater on, hater on, oh, the, hater also, on the cronut. It's called Ample Hills, the ice cream. Ample Hills? Oh, yeah, yeah, that stuff's good. It's amazing. Yeah? Yeah. All right, well, go check out my man Sam Mason's Oddfellas, too. If you're an sure. ice cream fan and you're in the Brooklyn, greater Brooklyn area... I have to try it. You, you must. You're, uh, you're obliged. Okay. Um, uh, wait, we have a caller, you said? We do have a caller. All right, yeah. caller, you're on the air. Hi to Nastasha, Dave, Jack, and Rebecca. Uh, I might have something for you, Dave. Uh, we have a medium-sized liquid amber in the yard. Uh, and if I'm able to procure some sweet gum without murdering the tree, I'd be happy to send you the goods. Any ideas on how and when I might harvest uh, the resin? 
All right, so we're talking about uh, sweet gum trees, uh, liquid embar, styr- styr- how do you pronounce that? Styracophula? Styraca, what is it? Styraca, I-, I don't remember. Sure. Yeah, anyway, so sweet gum trees, uh, which by the way, I found out you can grow in my place in Connecticut, but they just don't grow there naturally. Uh, they have a, uh, right? That's what we're talking about here, sweet gums. And they have a resin in them that is supposedly sweet that can be harvested and was harvested by Native Americans. I have no idea how to do it. I don't think it runs as freely as like uh, a syrup. I don't think it saps right. out that same way. I think you have to do it like you would for uh, like other resin style things where you make a, a like a, 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 a vertical. Remember – if you're ever going to wound a tree like that to get the resin, you want to go vertical because you don't want to in any way uh, girdle the tree. You know what I mean? Um, and would you go off of a side branch? Oh. Or do you need to go off the main trunk? Oh. Well, I never thought of it. Most people who are going to, like, uh, you know, take things off of trees end up going off of the trunk. I had never thought of doing a branch. I don't know how they do – I don't know how they harvest uh, – um, you know, gum acacia from acacia trees. I should go take a look at some pictures and see how they do it. Acacia trees, I think, are relatively small. Uh, uh, you know, in, in relation to a sweet gum, which is a, I consider that for this neighborhood like a mid-sized tree. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. So, huh? I don't know, but I, I mean, I'm going to look at some pictures and maybe uh, talk about it the next time up. I'll, I encourage you to look at some pictures too. But I, I think it's going to be a, a, a wound and weight. Uh, kind of a situation, and I don't know what the difference in flavor would be between, let's say, because I haven't researched in a long time, between, let's say, like uh, uh, like an early spring, like first uh, resin versus a later, but I, I'm pretty sure the last time I read there was a definite time that is best to do it. But I'm going to look into it, and we'll, we'll uh, you know, because I, 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 I want to try this stuff. Let me just put it this way. I want to try this stuff. Right. Is there anything else I need to do to confirm that it's the right species that has the five-pointed leaves? Drops the uh, monkey balls. That's it. You're good. Right. <laughs> and, no, and I'm on the West Coast. I'm in Southern California. Uh, so, you know, this wouldn't be a native tree here. Right, any, yeah. Right. Any problem there? No. I mean, I mean, it's, it's probably, you know, I, I think this, the sweet gum is like from like my area here in New York on south. So it doesn't like uh, it doesn't like it to be like hyper cold, you know what I mean? It's, so it's not right. like a, an extreme northern tree. So I think it should do fine, out, you know, out you know where you are. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it is um, with uh, drought tolerance or anything like that. But you know, if if the tree looks good, it's gonna it's gonna be good. And there's no other species I know of that looks like a sweet gum other than the sweet gum. In fact, right. in fact, this kid. I was so upset. This kid like was at a, a county fair. Did I mention this on the show? County fair up in Connecticut, and he won some sort of freaking prize for his collection. Now he is a kid, so like Nastasi would cut him some slack, not me. And he puts a sweet gum ball uh, in his collection of plant seeds and writes sycamore. Mm. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> they don't, uh, you know. Uh, they, I mean, they're spherical, right? <laughs> so like you know, a sweet gum ball looks like a uh, a sycamore ball. In the way that a basketball is very similar to a koosh, you know what I mean? It's right. like they're not, they're not. Did you correct him? Well, he wasn't there. I was just like, you know, if I if I was the judge, I would have been like, me goodbye, kid. You know, learn some precision, and then I would have written a note. I would have said, not sycamore, sweet gum, smiley face, smiley face. <laughs> you know, or you know, look, it's probably not the kid. The kid, I'm sure what happened. Okay, I feel bad. I'm sure the kid went to one of his parents. 
and was like, hey, ma, hey, dad, what is this? And they were like, that's a sycamore. And so, like, he was just like, you know, he totally. believed them. Yeah. So maybe he should just go smack his parents in the face. But I'm not advocating smacking your parents in the face. I'm just saying know your sweet gums. But let me know. I'm going to look into it, and maybe I'll, if I can remember, I'll talk about what I've learned and, and call back and tell us if you were able to harvest anything. Yeah, I'll let you know what I find. Can I, can I hit with a, a couple of just brief questions for myself? I have a, a quinine sulfate source from ChemSavers. Okay. But I'm wondering if, if you would serve this to your family. Quinine sulfate? Uh, I serve it to my family it, constantly. Well, but this from this source, it's uh, 99% titration. It says... Uh, for research and development, not for drug clinical use in humans, um, but it does say it meets it meets USC, USP specifications. Uh, I could give you like the certificate of analysis. Yeah, I want, like, if they said it's USP. Okay, listen. Remember this. Remember, all the quinine yep. you buy is actually from quinine bark. I mean, uh, Kinchona bark. Okay, right. it's not synthesized, so it's not like it's made out of some crazy. Like, you know, like conglomerate of poison, although it itself yeah. is poison. But like the uh, – so you have that going for you. Now, the, the issue is is whether or not it's been certified for food or for uh, – by the way, drug uh, – how can it say not certified for drugs, but it, it has a USP, so it's good for the pharmacopoeia? USP. Uh, is, it, is there like a, just a more expensive process to go through FDA to get the actual? I don't know. Safe? I mean, the real stuff's not that expensive. In other words, Schweppes isn't paying the prices that we're paying to get this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, right. Schweppes. But the um, so I, look, I, if it's USP, I'd feel pretty safe, especially considering the small amounts that you're using. The risk is is that they, if they stored it in a, an area that's contaminated with stuff that is otherwise nasty. But what do they say that the other like half a percent of point is? Uh, so we've got says purity by HPLC uh, 99 to 101%. Uh, and it says, yeah, water 4 to 5%. Uh, heavy metals 0.001%. Insoluble matter, 0.1%. Uh, I mean, look. It says that organic volatile impurities pass the test. If it says USP, I would use it. I like. I, right. I, I don't want to make your decision for you, but if it said USP, oh, no. I would use it. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll try it on myself, and, and uh, I can be the one that suffers. Right. Uh, but again, if it is a heavy metal <laughs> thing, right, you won't know that I've shafted you for another couple of decades. But hey. Right. But then maybe yeah. they will have fixed that I'll stuff. I'll call back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, uh, and then along with, I'm going to be carbonating that. Uh, do you see any problem with leaving a CO2 tank on? Any problem with the regulator? Or it's just under my sink, a 10-pound tank, and it's a pain to go in there and, and twist the thing off. Is no, there any uh, no, potential? No, I leave mine on uh, 100% of the time. That there, Yeah, there are potentials for problems, right? If, you're, if your hose bursts, it'll dump the entire 10-pound tank into your into your kitchen. Um, right. But like you know, what I would do is is a lot of people who sell kind of homebrew stuff. They tend to sell this kind of very flexible hose that comes off of the tank. Okay, right. and uh, I hate it. I really freaking hate it. That like unreinforced hose is the worst. And I've seen that stuff burst. So I would invest in the real like uh, it's like double wall. There's an inner tube. Then there's like uh, there's like a uh, um, like a fiberglass reinforcing, and then an outer. And the inner line is I think polyethylene, and it's this completely reinforced like beverage line. And I have never once ever 
ever seen one rupture. I've seen one be abused so horribly that it did generate a pinhole leak, but I've never seen – and that was real abuse. But I've never seen one spr- like rupture ever in service. Right. And if you get the real – uh, Odeker ear clamps that are really cheap that are meant for that size tubing that you're using and clamp it down, it, it would take a force of nature to cut that thing uh, open. Uh, and uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't worry worry about that because that's what people do 100% of the time in bars. They hook right. the tank up to their to their carbonator and then that's it. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, but but don't do it with the crappy hose though, all right? Okay. Uh, for a friend, what would your thoughts, time, and temp be for cooking... Uh, Nastasia might want to plug her ears. Uh, cooking a human placenta. Oh up. Jesus! I don't think Dave likes that either. <laughs> oh Jesus! I can't give. I can't, imagine what happened if I gave a recommendation on the air. Jack, what are your? We're get. I'm get. Even Rebecca, who I don't know, this is literally the first time I met her. Has a, a Nastasia style face on. Jack, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I say go for it. I have no idea. Ask a doctor. Yeah. Ask a doctor. No, listen, doctors famously don't know how to cook anything. Like, not, I, mean, I mean, plenty of doctors know how to cook things, but it's not part of their purview. But I doctors understand. will always no. – a doctor will give you a food safety recommendation. Right. I don't know. They'll save say to that boil the heck up. Yeah, what? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know that I want to go on record with, uh, with a placenta recipe. I think it just might be one of those things that comes back and bites me in the behind. You know what I mean? And thanks for your call. I understand. Yeah. All right. All right Let us know what happens with the liquid M bar. Thanks so much. All right. Yeah, Man, let me tell you though. What? One question. One what? question. That's one question. What? Even if Jack tells you, "Hey, just one question," hey, don't come hey, on the air. Hey, and listen, ask listen, Dave listen. Himself. Oh, but no, but he's doing us a favor. He's going to get us a liquid M bar. Here's one thing though. On the chat room, why don't you guys go to town? Those of you who don't mind, go to town on uh, on your uh, placenta recommendations. Am I right, Jack? <laughs> yeah. Send. Go. Go crazy. Relegate me to the side show. You know, <laughs> oh, I'll be the side oh, show, and you can be the freak if you're putting. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Okay, I'm going to rip through some questions because I don't want to miss them. Uh, got a question in. I don't know who it's from. Uh, on Lardo. I recently cured Lardo that is now uh, hanging in the walk-in. It was just now that I realized I accidentally used Instacure number one instead of Instacure number two. What we're talking about, Lardo is basically cured uh, uh, back fat. Delicious. Do you like Lardo? Mm-hmm. Wow, finally, something. Uh, and um, the recipe that this person is using um, calls for curing salt. So curing salt is salt plus either uh, sodium nitrite or sodium nitrate. Uh, now, if you're doing a long-cured product like a, like, a, like a ham or, in this case, a lardo, if you're going to specify curing salt, you would typically specify uh, the one that has nitrate in it, right? So Because uh, nitrate is longer-lasting, longer-acting, and it takes a long time for the curing salt to make it to the middle of a, of a big cut like this. And if it doesn't make it to the middle before it's converted, then you don't have any curing power. Capiche? Gotcha. Okay. So – uh, he, uh, he or she used the wrong one, uh, and is wondering whether the, you know they're going to kill everybody. Uh, the answer <laughs> is the answer is I would feel 100 percent okay with this because uh, first of all, remember um, a lot of people when traditionally curing lardo, they're not using a curing salt anyway; they're just using regular salt. Secondly, uh, it's a it's a whole cut, so if it hasn't been punctured, there's nothing going on in the middle anyway, so it's not like a salami. What, where you know, like the actual, you know, the word botulism comes from the word for sausage in Latin because you know you take stuff, you mix it up, it's contaminated in the middle, you, you, you exclude the air, and it's botulism time. You know what I mean? If you if you don't, so first of all, you, you're going to have a high salt level, which is going to inhibit the botulism. You're dealing with a whole muscle cut, and here's the, here's the kicker: unlike muscle meat. 
um, there is not as much water in back fat by a long shot. So it doesn't take as much to get the water activity of back fat very low. And if the water activity of the back fat is very low, there's going to be no botulism growing. And, and so I think you're aided by – so although I looked up on the net uh, on the way over here that like the f- super fresh back fat unchilled has a, a fairly high water activity like 991 or something like this. If you And it just said uh, dried – I think salted and dried or smoked or something like this without no curing – had a water activity down like point, point 0.7 something. And so in other words, ain't nothing, ain't nothing growing in that, in that son of a gun. So I would, I, would feel, uh, I would feel confident. I would say confident. What do you think, Stas? Yeah. Good Peter, answer. Peter wanted you to mention to uh, people to buy tickets. Oh, why don't you mention it since you're Buy you're fake tickets Peter. to their new exhibit at tickets.mofad.org. Uh, wow, that was a sale, Stas. Well, that oh, was wow. a friggin'. I'm sold. Wow, I'm going to go right on that I'm damn website. For the, uh, hey, I'm going to be there, too. Yeah. Oh, Jack's really? going to be there. Jackie yeah. Molecules, J-Mall. I'm doing sound. Sound. Okay. Sound guy. Hey, it's, I got some, uh, I have a caller, right? And I also, I have to read some of this stuff that's coming into the chat room. Um, you know, you, you you opened up the rabbit hole here. Elliot says three hours at seventy six point three degrees Celsius, then sears all. Whoa! <laughs> and then uh, someone else said you forgot to pre sear the placenta. Wow! And someone else said soup dumpling placenta. Oh! Yeah. So that's happening. Uh, and there's a caller on the line. Caller, you are on the air. Hey guys, how's it going? It's uh, John from New Haven here. Hi, uh, um just got my uh, my MoFad tickets yesterday. I actually can't wait for the exhibit, so really looking forward to that. Nice. But See, that's a, a sale. A question on black garlic. Oh, yes. Go ahead. I've been interested in making some on my own, and I'm looking at the Series Seeds website, and they say to either do it in a dehydrator or an oven for, at 130 for like two to three weeks. Yep. And that's a really long time to tie up my oven. I don't have a dehydrator, but I do have a circulator, and I was wondering if I could do uh, the garlic in a Ziploc bag for like two or three weeks in there. That should work. I don't see why it won't. Another uh, option, if you're really interested, is I know people have done um, slightly higher temperatures. They've used to keep warm in a rice cooker and just okay. let, it, let it rock in the rice cooker. And it's actually faster because the temperature is somewhat elevated, but it's not high enough to, uh, like, you know, cook it cook it out or anything like this. And so I know um, I know a bunch of people who – I think it was, uh, it was Johnny Hunter, I think, who was telling us about, like, the rice cooker uh, stuff and that you could do it at a higher temperature than what is recommended and, and it still works and works faster. It has a slightly different flavor, obviously, but it works and works faster. So the rice cooker – um, yeah, basically anything that you can control, you know, uh, like dehydrators, you know, you can get like a, you don't remember if you're doing a dehydrator, you need to seal it. So it stays moist. Right. I mean, you know, you, right. Yeah. Um, you know, you could also just get, uh, like, uh, like a, um, uh, an electric, thing uh, electric blend you know oh, what's a flexible electric heater there may and stick it to the outside of a jar with a thermocouple in between that and the jar and put it on one of these thirty dollar pids you could be you could be out of the woods with with a temperature controlled curing chamber for probably under 70 bucks uh you know because you don't need hyper accuracy you just need it to stay relatively the same temperature and be and be sealed you know what i mean and so yeah. you you could do that without like see once you have the circulator you have the water running all the time you have that noise in your kitchen for 2 weeks you're running that thing and yeah blah 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 like if you do this it's like you know very uh, you can insulate it so that you're not like throwing off energy into the atmosphere and you can make something kind of fairly uh, efficient uh, that way, probably for pretty cheap. 
Okay, and then just real quick to go back to the circulator again, I wouldn't be running any like foodborne illness risk or anything like that if it's sealed away for that long or with the time and temp be enough to kill everything. What, te- what temperature are you going to use? Um, I mean, ideally around the 130, 140. Oh, yeah. If you're running it like, uh, what's 140? What's that in Celsius? Uh, 55. Oh, yeah, so then that should be fine. Yeah, you're fine. You, right? can, you can run it from now, okay. now until we all keel over dead and you'll be good. We won't keel uh, over from the, from the microbes. We'll keel over from being dead. Great. All right, perfect. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Good luck. Just take a break now. That's how to ask a question and, and get out, though. See? The wow. One, the one question. Yeah, I appreciate get, that. You're going to hit it. Hit it and quit it. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, we'll take a quick break and come back with some more questions on the cooking issues. Radio Network would sound like without donations. It's not as good as the show you were just listening to, is it? Give us a few bucks. Help keep us running. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Click the Donate tab on the top right corner. You don't, uh, you don't like the silence? You think that... It, it, you think people actually prefer to listen to the show rather it's than okay. just silence? I don't mind silence, yeah. but I'm I'm guessing they like you better. Now 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 you have sounds of silence going through my head. <laughs> yeah, well, Stas and I had this thing where we were cooking turkeys, and when I was boning the turkey, I was singing "Wahalote, my old friend." And so now, whenever I have sounds of silence going through my head, I have "Wahalote, my old friend." You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there, I can go back to like boning this turkey out. You know what I mean? Nice. I've never had a real honest-to-God freaking guajalote. I need to, right? You know what I mean? These, like, weak these weak commercial pavos. Although, the ones that Heritage sells, right, they're pretty close to a wild turkey, but they're still raised, right? I mean, they're, they're fairly close. So can I say they're that if I... They're pretty wild. Oh. So if I, could say, if I say if I've had the Heritage turkeys, would you say that, like, I've had the taste of true guajalote? I don't know. I want to hear Steve Jenkins say it. Yeah. You got you to gotta shoot him in the face to save him? <laughs> Actually, you know, that's true with a turkey. That's why one of the things I want to go hunting for is, uh, is turkey. I'm not, my wife will not let me get a freaking – first of all, you would, for, okay, look. My wife won't let me have like a gun in that. I'm working on air rifles. I told this on the air, but you can't use air rifles to kill turkeys in Connecticut. But the good thing about shooting turkeys is it's headshot or nothing. So it's kill or miss. There's no wow. wounding. Kill or miss. If, what if you miss the head? Well, you have to miss so bad. It's got this long neck. I'm just saying. So what I'm saying is you're shooting for the head. It's attached to a long neck. So it's not like, you know, if you're trying to get a heart shot and you hit it in the butt and it's running around, the odds are you either kill it dead or or you miss it entirely. seems to me that this is a good mode of hunting. Plus, they're hard. So it's like, you know, I don't know, right? I mean, if you're going to go hunting, it seems to me that, like, what you don't want to do is be an inexperienced hunter, go out there and just wing a bunch of birds, and they're, like, flying around in pain for whatever because you missed. You know what I mean? Jack, you're not with me on this? Yeah, I got a caller. All right, caller, you're on the air. Hey, my name's David from uh, the Seattle area, and uh, I was wondering if you'd ever thought about or ever made a carbonated granita. Um, I was thinking about doing it with, like, a block of dry ice or um, 
liquid nitrogen with just from soda or something like that. Yeah, funny story. So uh, Sam Mason, I think it was Sam Mason. I think it was Sam Mason, was interested in uh, carbonated uh, granita years and years and years ago. This is like maybe like like 2006 or 2005. I think it was Sam. Came over to uh, the FCI where I was working, and he was like, hey, can we carbonate, uh, can we carbonate um, you know, sorbets and whatnot in the, in the tailor? We had a tailor at the school because the Carpajani was br- – I didn't have access to the Carpajani, so I had the tailor. And he was like, hey, can, can we do it? I'm like, I don't know. Let's find out. So we tried to like plug all the holes in the tailor and like pressurize it with CO2 while it was running. And I blew the gaskets out, and we sprayed – sorbet mix over the entire freaking kitchen like sorbet mix everywhere and the 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 short answer is is that you can carbonate anything but then you can't you can carbonate a a granita as long as you never uh harden it right because the carbonation can only live in the liquid phase as soon as it's frozen solid then or even approaching solid all of the co2 will be squeezed out so what you need to do is uh, is keep it at that kind of like slushy area where there's still enough liquid to have carbonation and then carbonate it at a fairly high level and realizing there's going to be a lot of nucleation sites and possibly foaming because uh, only the liquid will um, absorb CO2 and the ice will exclude it. So that's the, that's the short answer. Uh, and, you, you, you know, dry ice, the problem with dry ice is you're not going to get an appreciable amount of carbonation in it uh, unless you keep it under pressure. And if you keep it under pressure then you might hose yourself right so um i would uh you know as a cheap way to start i would um i mean if you have a dipper cabinet something that's not going to freeze all the way then i would like put the mixture into bottles like shake carbonate the hell out of it after it comes out and then just leave it at in that kind of a slushy state uh and then uncap and like slam out of the bottle or just cut the top of the bottle off because that's what i used to do when i would carbonate gels i would uh i would set the gels in uh in bottles and then just cut the bottle open and then take the gel out without rupturing it uh, because i never was doing it enough to like invest in a system that let me reach in and you know and get a large thing out does that make sense yeah um and then uh this is just like going back to your old Streams. I was wondering if if you and uh, Stasi ever found that pair that you were you tried in in London. No, no. Okay. The, the uh, I forget which one it was. I'd have to go back and look at my notes. I think it was uh, there was the uh, the beer super fin was delicious. Like well, it was like this like butter pear that was like I think it was a super fine right. I think that was one of the ones. And then there was a pear that had a really awesome. Um, what was it? there was a pear that tasted like quince that was ridiculous. So good. I have to go back yeah. and look at my notes. Um, and no, I was never able to find it. And like the problem is in uh, in uh, the U.S. Obviously, is I don't live in like hyper pair country. So I, I've been meaning to take a trip up to Corvallis for years, but no one's. I don't know. I've never made it up during pear season or during berry season, by the way. Although it turns out, like in Connecticut, this little area in Connecticut, I am is like the Oregon of Connecticut in terms of berries. Like we just have berries like coming out of our ears. It's awesome. But maybe I can do pears then. You never know. I don't know if I have fire blight. Maybe if I don't have fire blight and I have pears, maybe I can grow them. In which case, Nastasi and I'll have to break back into the Brogdale, steal some seeds. I'm not going to steal seeds and bring them. What am I? I'm not going to. I'm not going to be that guy that throws like an entire agricultural industry into disarray by by smuggling seeds in. But if you were that guy, send me the seeds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I'm not going to do you it. Got it. I'm not going to do it. But if you do it, you know. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, we here at Cooking Issues are firmly against ruining ruining uh, agriculture for everybody. You know, we're totally against cane toad introduction into Australia, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody likes, nobody likes it. What? Super Zebra. mussels? Zebra mussels. Zebra mussels. What about, do you know that, like, the U.S. crayfish are so strong that we've wiped out all the European crayfish? Wow. Yeah. That's, that's America for Red, you. Red, white, and blue. Yeah. Yeah, love it, right? Love it or leave it. America, <laughs> love it, love it, love it, leave it. And even if you leave it, we'll bring it to you. Five-minute warning. Oh. All right. So, listen. Uh, let me see if there's anything that I Did uh, Tozy ever get back to us? She did. Okay. Uh, we had a question in. I will get this because uh, you're cooking the, the cake right now. Um, let me see. From uh, – I got to get down to who the question was. Uh, okay, from uh, Jeremy Brainerd wrote in uh, asking Christina Tozzi about a recipe. And it says, uh, thanks for the excellent show and endless hours of entertainment. I'm working my way through the archive and about 15 episodes to go, and I haven't heard anything about this. I am making a cake for my mother-in-law's birthday this Saturday, and I'm using Christina Tozzi's chocolate malt cake recipe. Everything seems fairly straightforward, but I have a question about the temperature of the fudge coating. The recipe states that the fudge should be warm, in quotes, uh, when it is poured on the cake, but fails to specify what warm is. I am planning on making the fudge this week and reheating it using a circulator. It says calculator, but I assume they meant circulator with an autocorrect. Hate autocorrect. Uh, what temperature... I mean, I like it, but whatever. Uh, what temperature should I heat the fudge to uh, to coat the cake but not make it too runny so it runs off the sides and onto the counter? And uh, he, he thanks us, but don't thank us because I emailed uh, Christina Tozzi because it's her recipe and asked her, and Nastasia will be playing the part of Christina. Please read. She said, hi, Dave. Fudge should be just warm to the touch and viscous, not super warm to the touch and not hot steaming which would leave the fudge in a more watery, much more fluid state. This will render the fudge thick enough to spread itself evenly across the layers without being so loose that it seeps into layers where it doesn't belong. If coating the cake in full with fudge rather than leaving naked, make sure the cake is very cold slash frozen, 0 to 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Without being TMI, crumb coating the cake first is ideal. If the listener has no idea what this means, I'd say S-T-E-T. If coating the cake, fudge sauce should be warm to the touch or a much looser fluid state. Because the cake is frozen, it will lock a thin layer of fudge around the cake without melting the cake or having a fudge coating that is too thick, not even. Hope this helps. All right, so I'm going to guess like 110, something like that. That's warm to the touch, right? Fahrenheit? Sure. 110? I try 110. I don't know. I have no idea. Sounds just like Christina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I was yeah, so fooled yeah, for a second. Yeah, Nastasia reads with this reads with the same passion that Christina brings to her craft. No, all right. So uh, we're running out of time. So I have some questions I didn't get to. We'll get to them next time. We have uh, clarification questions. We have some more ISI questions, chili questions, and questions from Alan in the UK on apples, which I'll get to because I really love the apples and I've been uh, juicing apples myself recently. Just did uh, six uh, gallons of cider over the weekend. Uh, and we'll get to those questions next week when we're back on Cooking Issues. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 